Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right. Well, when Amber and I go on trips, one of the things that we both really like are um, podcasts, okay? Like, I don't know if you're a radio person, music person, what you are. Like, I basically only listen to podcasts in the car, okay? And one of the things that we both really enjoy are true crime podcasts, okay? So it's not uncommon for us to be leaving for a trip. Let's say we've got an eight-hour trip, and I look over to her and say, hey, you know you pick the better ones. You're better at this than I am. Like, what podcast are we listening to? Okay, and so we found some great ones. She has brought some, and it's been it's been fun. I, I just really listen because I enjoy the crazy stories, right? Like the ups and the downs. It's it, it reminds me there's a crazy world out there that Pastor Scott doesn't always. You know, I'm not privy to a lot, right? And so we, we, we listen to these, and, and I just, we really enjoy it. Now, now, one of my favorite true crime stories is actually not a podcast. I would really like them to turn it into a podcast, but I don't know if you've ever watched the movie or read the book, Catch Me If You Can. I don't know if you've watched that or, or read it before. If you haven't, when it comes on TV, I'd recommend a couple hours, just take it in. It's, it's a good thing. I think you'll enjoy it. But what I love about these podcasts and this story is essentially these people, they don't go down easily. Okay? What I love about these stories is the moment they get where, where the investigations have been done and they know who they need to catch, but the person doesn't go down easily. There's no there's nothing in them that wants to surrender. And it gets to a point that the only way you're going to get this person is by trapping them so they have no more outs. And I told you my favorite one probably is Catch Me If You Can. And, and if you haven't seen it, this is long story short, but there's a, a young man named Frank Abagnale Jr., okay? And Frank Abagnale Jr. one day runs away from his home because his parents tell them that they're getting a divorce. And so he's young and he's out in the world and he's got to survive, so he has to be creative. And so he finds ways to illegally cash checks. He finds ways by, by, by posing as an airplane pilot. He, he becomes a lawyer. He becomes a doctor. Like he, This is a brilliant human being. Well, as the movie goes on, the investigator gets a big break. The investigator gets a big break because they realize who this person is. Who this person is about, that at this point has cashed more than two million dollars of illegal checks. And so the investigator goes from town to town, airport to airport, like hotel to hotel, chasing Frank. And Frank has no desire to give himself up. He has no desire in surrendering. He changes his name. He changes his profession. He changes locations all the time. All of this to not give in to authorities. 
until one day, and this is the teaser, so if you want to watch it, cover your ears, all right? This is, they finally get him. He's in France. Remember, this is a true story. They get him. He's in France. He's in his mom's hometown, and they trap him, and he can't get out, and they put him into custody. He tries to sneak out. He tries to break away again, but they get him until he has his day in court. Now, there's a lot more details. You can watch it. But I love this movie so much. It's just, I love that it's a real-life story, a real-life story about a man who goes to extreme levels to not give in. He goes to extreme levels to not surrender. It's almost unbelievable. Until I think about us, it's almost unbelievable until I think about you and me, and maybe the truth is we all have a little Frank Abagnale Jr. in us. Now, I assume you're not cashing illegal checks, right? And if you are, I don't want to know, okay? Ignorance is bliss, but I assume you're not. But don't we sometimes go to extreme levels? to not surrender. Don't we sometimes go to extreme levels to not give in the way we know we should? Since mid-February, we've been talking about one thing. Since mid-February, we've had one topic every Sunday morning, and that topic has been prayer. We've been talking about how prayers, the prayers we see in the Bible that have changed people's lives. We've been talking about how prayer can change everything about how we live life every day. And how prayer for many of us is not the go-to move, but maybe the last resort. And I get why that's the case. I have sympathy for why that's the case. Because for some of us, we have prayed. We have given prayer a try. But the results haven't be, been there, and so we just give up on it. For others, we're not very confident in prayer, so we don't know how to really do it. And for other people, maybe you've had an experience, and maybe anger, bitterness, there's a distance, there's something that doesn't connect between you and God, and so prayer is not your move. I get it. We all have our reasons. But that's why I've been talking about it for seven weeks, and this being the eighth. Because I want to fight for prayer. I want to fight for this being in your life. I want to, to help us understand that this is the vehicle for life change in, in our relationship with Jesus. Because prayer takes us to deeper places. Hear me. Prayer takes us to deeper places. I think prayer takes us to deeper peace. I think prayer takes us to deeper joy. I think prayer takes us to deeper contentment. I think prayer takes us to deeper security. I think prayer takes us to deeper knowledge. I think prayer takes us to places that nothing else can take us because when we pray, we are connecting with the creator of everything. 
When we pray, it takes us to places that nothing else can take us. So my prayer has been, my prayer has been leading up to this series and during this series that our passion for prayer would grow. Our, 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 our conviction to pray w- would grow. That we would have a deepened desire to pray consistently about everything in our lives. Because I want that for me. I want that for you. Because I think on the other side of that lifestyle is something we have never experienced. But deep down, we all desire it. Now what I love about prayer is that Jesus was personally all in with this. He doesn't just tell us to do it, he modeled it. The Son of God, the Savior of humanity, didn't just tell us to pray, he he prayed. He prayed more than anyone. I think the people closest to him would say that they saw it firsthand, that Jesus' first and most frequent move in every circumstance was to lean into prayer. That's why we started this series talking about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was Jesus' answer in response to the question, teach us how to pray. These people saw Jesus firsthand praying all the time. They saw that he was all about it. They saw that it changed things. And so they're saying, Jesus, we see you do this. We see how bought in you are. Now teach us how to pray. And so for our last prayer of this series, I want us to go to a prayer that Jesus prayed. I want to go to a famous prayer that happened during this week we call Holy Week as we lead into Easter. See, I talked about the movie Catch Me If You Can to begin today because it showed something, it revealed something about the human condition. And what it showed us is that we really struggle with the idea of surrendering. We do not do well with the idea of surrendering. But then there is Jesus who prays a prayer, a prayer of surrender that ends up changing everything. Jesus' prayer has ripple effects through the course of history, the future, all the way into today. Jesus prayed a prayer of surrender. It was in 2018, you guys know this, is that I took a trip and, 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 and took people with me to Israel. Okay? And we began... We began our day one day waking up knowing that the day was a big one because we were about to see the city of Jerusalem for the very first time. And so we eat breakfast, we get on the charter bus, we head out to Jerusalem. After a very quick ride, we get out and there we are on the top of Mount Olives. The famous Mount Olives. And we're looking out over the city of Jerusalem. This is actually the picture of me 
that morning looking out over the city of Jerusalem. It was an incredible view. Incredible day that, that so much of Scripture happens in this place and we're looking over it. And, and after we have that view, we begin to walk down that mountain and we came upon a place that has forever been marked in Christianity. A place where an incredible prayer happened that changed our life. We came across a place that will never be forgotten. There we were in a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. This is, this is what it looks like. You walk in and there you are in this place where a, where a decision was made where a battle before the battle happened that changed everything about our lives. This is the place where Jesus said the incredibly powerful prayer found in Matthew chapter 26. If you want to go there with me, okay? If you've got your phones, there's a Bible in your seat. Maybe you brought a Bible with you. But if you want to go, we'll go Matthew 26. It says, verse 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. And keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And I, I know if you know this story, Jesus walks away from this scene to go back to where uh, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee were, and they are doing what people do when they're not completely bought into the necessity of prayer. What are they doing? They're sleeping. He says a few words to correct them. He says a few words to motivate them, and he goes back to the same place to pray again. In verse 42, he says, he went away a second time, and this time he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He comes back again. And the same result, they're sleeping. But he goes back again a third time. And it says he prayed the same prayer. You know the context of this. Jesus is about to do the hardest thing anyone can ever do. He's about to give over his life to literal death. He's about to experience anguishing pain. 
He's about to take on something he doesn't deserve for others who do deserve, and he's in anguish before he does it. And as I see this moment in Jesus' life, you know what it tells me about Jesus? Jesus wrestled with surrender just like we do. There's a bond that happens in this for me. I look at the person of Jesus who I have above every person that ever walked this earth, but I see in him that he wrestles with surrender just like we do. That to surrender my life, my circumstances, my feelings is not easy. That surrender is a wrestling match between my will and his. And I see Jesus is in that same battle. And there's a common bond between us that I see as humanity come out. But there's a second thing that I see about Jesus. Is that Jesus knew that surrendering was not an option. I also see that surrendering for Jesus was not an option. He knew why he was sent. He knew what his mission was. It may have been hard, but Jesus knew in order to accomplish what he was supposed to accomplish by his Father who sent him, surrendering had to happen. It wasn't an option. And this, I think, is our problem. Jesus knew it wasn't an option, and I think sometimes we think it is one of many options. I think for Jesus, he knew he had to, he had no choice, and I think we think we have a choice. I think for many of us, we believe it's one of the many options on the table, the direction that we can take. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he had to teach about this before he even did it himself on full display for everyone to see it. John chapter 12. People are coming to talk to Jesus. And it says, verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In this moment, they don't understand. They don't understand what you understand. They don't have the full picture like we had the full picture. So you've got to hear this in the way that they heard this. They didn't understand the full story. They had no idea what would be coming up next. But Jesus was telling them an important principle for their life, an important truth for life. And that is the road to life is always preceded by death. He needed his people. He needs you and me to understand that the road to life is always preceded by death. 
Could it be said of us that we are always in the pursuit of something better in life? Could it be said of us that in this pursuit, we have gone down the wrong road too many times? In this pursuit of life, we have taken a left when we have taken, should have taken a right. You ever do this driving? You ever do this in town? I have to admit this morning, I do this way too often. Like it drives Amber crazy, all right? Like this will surprise you that while I'm driving, I can get caught up talking, okay? Like I get caught up in conversation. We get talking, and who knows what we're talking about, and we come to a place that we need to turn, and Amber's like, what are you doing? Like, she's like, this is not an uncommon thing. She's like, what do you do? Scott, pay attention. Oh, sorry, I got lost in the conversation, right? This is who I am. Now, when I do this, what's my next move, okay? I've gotten used to this in my life. I wait for the next turn so I can turn around, make correction, and go the direction I'm supposed to go, right? This is not a very hard thing to do. This is actually really simple. I may have wasted a little bit of time, but the correction is actually pretty easy. Here's the deal about life. It's not much more difficult than that. Like, it's not much more difficult than that when it comes to the decisions we are making. We have all found ourselves on wrong roads, right? And the problem is, is it's not that we're taking a wrong road. The problem is admitting it and doing what it takes to turn around. To be honest, like I, I, I lose track and I have to turn around and I guess I'm just excusing myself. I don't know, but it doesn't really bother me. It's just a little bit of time. I was in the conversation, whatever. In life, it's not as big of a deal as sometimes we make it. We just have a problem admitting and saying, I will change my direction. See, the problem is for some of you in this room, for some that are listening, watching today, is that we're on wrong roads. And we're failing to admit that these wrong roads are taking us to spiritual death. And the reason we're going on these wrong roads is because we won't admit and just surrender. i got to turn around. So I'm, I believe that God has a calling on your life. You know I believe that you've been created on purpose for a purpose. But we will never experience this life until we begin to say prayers of surrender. This is the thing that comes in between where we're supposed to be and where we are going. It's a prayer of surrender until you say, God, like you got me. I'm trapped. I get it. I'll stop running. I'll stop avoiding. I'll stop doing my own thing. I'll stop believing my own ways. I'll stop chasing. Like I will surrender. 
I'll surrender just like we see Jesus pray in Gethsemane and just like we see him teach in John 12. And what he is teaching is that surrender brings life where death has previously dominated. This is what Jesus wants you and me to see. He wants us to take it seriously. This morning, what I'm hoping is a common story, a story that you know brings you back to a place where you say, did I take a wrong road? Am I missing out on the life that Jesus has for me? And that we can be reminded that surrender brings life where death has previously dominated. So the question is simple this morning. The question is very, very simple this morning. What needs to be surrendered in your life? This Palm Sunday, as we're about to walk into Easter, this Palm Sunday, as we're about to walk through Holy Week, what needs to be surrendered in your life because everybody, including myself, has something what needs to be surrendered in your life. Today, we're going to take communion together. We're going to take communion together. And when we take communion, we're going to remind ourselves what, how Jesus showed us what God-honoring surrender looks like, okay? We're going to take communion because it's good to be reminded about what Jesus did. But it's also good to be reminded what he has called us to. Not just what he did, but what we are supposed to do. Reminded that a life best lived is one that's not about ourself. That the best life lived is a surrendered life. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close in worship. During worship, I want to give you kind of a moment to think. I want to give you a moment to, to thank Jesus for what he did. That our hope is directly tied to his death. Our hope is directly tied to his resurrection three days later. And that we're going to say thanks through communion. But can I push us one step further this morning? Can I push us not just to say thank you this morning, but for us to think, what is God calling you to surrender in response to the death and resurrection of Jesus? What is God going to kind of speak into you about surrendering in response 
to Jesus' prayer of surrender in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because maybe for you, the prayer is simple. It's a surrendering of your life. For some, you've been holding on. And we know that the simple move is to turn, admit, I'm going to go a different direction. God, forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross so I can find life in you. And your simple move this morning is going, God, I surrender my life. And maybe you need to say that prayer. Maybe that's your prayer of surrender. Maybe for you, your surrender is something from your past. You're holding on to something that Jesus has been trying to heal you from. And because you won't let go, he can't heal it. He can't move in it. And maybe your prayer of surrender is surrendering something from the past you won't let go. And maybe he wants to speak into that today. Maybe for you, your prayer of surrender is surrendering an unhealthy relationship that's tearing you down. And like, God, I'll walk away from a relationship I know you don't want me. And maybe your prayer of surrender is a never-ending pursuit of just stuff. Maybe you're caught in the cycle of life is destroying you, that you are not content in what he has given you, and you're pursuing something always, every day, that is never enough. And your surrender is, God, I would just live in what you have me and be filled with thanksgiving and joy. I will be content, and I'll surrender this pursuit of just chasing what I don't have. Maybe for you, your surrender is something to do with pride. Your pride has gotten out of control. You think too much of yourself and think too little of Jesus, and you know it, but like, y- you try to mask it. And maybe your prayer of surrender is, God, I give you my pride, my arrogance, my feeling of like, I know everything. And God's been trying to break you down, and today you're like, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, give, it, I'll give it to you. It's about you, not me. Maybe for you, your surrender is your goals, that you have taken over your life and you're driving the car, and this is why you take lefts when you're supposed to take right, because you are chasing things and goals you know you shouldn't be, that God is something different, and you are just pushing and pushing and pushing. I've got my own goals. And maybe you surrender and say, God, I want what you want for me. Maybe your surrender is some fears. Maybe you're fearful of something. And Jesus is like, you don't have to be fearful when you find yourself in me. You don't have to be fearful when you know I'm covering you, I'm with you, I carry you. There's nowhere you can go where I am not. Maybe you need to surrender a fear so you can live in freedom. Maybe for you, your surrender is in a need of control. It's hard to admit this because it seems extreme, but sometimes when we take control, we have become our own savior, our own God, while putting a stamp of I'm a Christian. Whoever dictates your life is your God, and there can only be one. It's either you or him. Maybe for you, that's your prayer of surrender. The question is today, Palm Sunday, leading into Holy Week and Easter. What do you need to surrender? So I'm going to give you this moment as we worship, and then after we worship, I'm going to come back up, and we're going to take communion together.
If you need to come to the altars, you need to turn your seat into an altar, you need to just pray some prayer that, God, I'm surrendered. Will you take this moment during worship as we lead into communion? Let's pray. God, you are worthy of us surrendering to you. You are worthy of us saying, you got me. I'm yours. I give in. You are trustworthy to say, I trust you with everything I've got. And God, my prayer today is that you would speak to your people in this room or those who are watching and listening. You would speak. You bring conviction, but you would bring freedom through surrender. And may the ripple effects of our life happen because it's in this moment we surrendered something we were holding on to. And now, God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to speak the specifics. God, I understand I bring up the idea speaking today, but your Holy Spirit needs to speak specifics. And we give you authority to do that. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.